The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Turn off your cell phone, watch the road, and listen up. It's time for another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blythe. This is Karen Cavallaro, here to announce show number 64, Reflections on Connections, in which Carl and Rory reflect on Dev Connections and other developer conferences. Recorded live Thursday, May 13th, 2004. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VB.NET and ASP.NET classes remotely, online at www.franklins.net, and by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who once worked the McDonald's drive-thru in Afghanistan, just so he could say, do you want fries with that? Shake. Carl Franklin! <laughs> hey, thanks, Karen. And uh, yeah, some of us in the studio thought we <laughs> that might have been a little offensive, but let me just explain that joke. So uh, a spiritual leader, a cleric in the Muslim world is sometimes called a sheikh, or a sheikh is a title given to a particular uh, leader, a spiritual leader. So it's no different than us saying, you know, would you like fries with that father, except that it's a pun on a play on words, see? So it's totally benign and it's fun. And there you go. Have to explain my joke sometimes. So <laughs> <clears throat> hey Rory, my co partner Carl. in crime, my my co anchor. How are you? I well, I as you know, um tonight I uh I OC'd. You OC'd? I overcaked. <laughs> um I so hit, your glycemic I, index is way high, it's, right? It's, it, it was off the charts about maybe an hour ago. See, Carl and I went out for some Mexican food tonight, and it was very good, and we had a nice time. It was great. And uh, and at the end, they brought the dessert menu. And at first, Carl and I were like, no, you just get back. And then Re you, you know, return you that insisted, thing once however. it came. Yeah, and then I was like, wait a minute, come back here. You know, get yeah. back here. Come on, bring me some stuff. And we what took, is this cake? We looked at the menu. What's this milk in this cake? <laughs> right. They had something called like the three milk cake or something. How many like kinds that. of? What kind of milk? Is it pig milk? Okay, look, I asked a few questions. You know, I'm particular. I don't want people to stick in any old weird milk want, in my cake. I don't want you to be cooking with pig milk back there. Well, you never know. All right, so I just want to make sure. I mean, I get a lot of Google searches for pig milk, and you know, you don't know what people are doing, right? So we get the cake, and, and I eat the cake, and what a mistake, man! Oh, that kind of rhymed. I got the cake. I You're eat a poet, and you didn't mistake. know it. I was a potent. I didn't even realize it. Yeah, so I, I got the cake, and uh, 
and I ate it. And like an hour ago, I was bouncing off the walls and now I'm kind of like yawning and I'm feeling my heart slow down and I'm feeling my whole body get dragged down by, uh, I guess sugar, sugar. Yeah. Let's, yeah. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best here. We're going to try to counteract it. We're going to try to counteract that with a little, little 18 year old <laughs> scotch. Have some. There it is. Joe, Joe Grenier, uh, for the third consecutive time in the studio, came down with a six pack to sit in and listen and heckle. And, <laughs> and Rory is actually having a little tonight in his paper cup. Don't it's ask. Sterile. <laughs> so, boys, people at home, let's hope the kids are in bed and you're not driving anywhere and down the hatch. Salute. Uh, yes, I definitely like this Thursday night.net rock show thing. Hey, that's tasty. Yeah, isn't it nice? Huh. That's really nice booze. The years really mellow it out. Yeah. And it's not something you chug, you know. It's just a nice kind of evening sipping thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I just had to say I went to New York last weekend. Yeah. I know I just talked all about my stupid cake thing, right? And that I'm just like, <laughs> more me, right? But I, I went to New York last weekend. I don't, you only go to New York for the first time once. Right. You know? And right. I just I just wanted to talk about that. Just for, yeah, I just wanted first to time. say that I got to go. That was exciting. Yeah. That, that was really something. It was the first enormous city that I'd ever seen in the United States. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Washington, D.C., Boston. Right. You know, L.A. It's nothing like whatever. New York City, though. There really isn't. And I thought I thought everybody was kind of full of it when they said that. Yeah. But it is really a, an unusually magnificent city. It is really something. So that's kind of been my week. And I haven't really slept properly since. And, of course, you know, the overcaking and everything. My body's like this useless, limp sack of chemicals and fluid. Wow. Well, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we get started um, with our show on connections, boy, it's going to be a really great show. I just got to tell you, it sort of came together at the last minute. And um, uh, well, more about that in a minute. But I just want to give you my what happened to me this week. This week, I've, I've been teaching a class for the second straight week. Last week was the VBNet Masterclass. This week is an ASPNet Masterclass. And I'm not using my laptop for my developer machine, thankfully. I'm using another machine that's in the training room. And I'm using my laptop for email. And all of a sudden, my laptop just completely hangs. And I don't you know, pay much attention to it. But after like 15 minutes of hanging, I had had enough and turned it off, turned it back on. It came back on. And I started to get delayed write errors on drive C, meaning it's hosed. I mean, your heart, my hard drive was hosed. So uh, a guy here put it together, took it down the hall, took out the hard drive, put it in another laptop, and luckily got all my data off of it. But it's in a place; it's the other hard drive in my laptop is where I actually keep all my documents and stuff. So I don't have the stuff that I'm normally prepared with, which is all the great emails people have sent us this week, and uh, I only have one. Great mail. You know how we were talking about dumb emails? You know, dumb emails, yeah, sort of like yeah, a, the dumb emails. a new thing on the show. Well, I got this one. This is great. And I know you're going to like it. I so can actually read here it email. Is. No, oh, here it sorry, is. Here it is. This was from Andrew Baum. And this is great. He says, uh, this is a, the subject is a story about a distraught developer and his stupid visor. So not that long ago, I was doing final preparations on a presentation I was doing for some of our R&D folks across town. I was enjoying some privacy in my corner office, and by corner office I mean a very spacious 36-square-foot dimly lit cube over in a dusty corner with no window, putting together hard copies of the PowerPoint slides. 
Stacks of papers were laid out all over the ample 24-inch workspace as I was piecing together the handouts for people to take away with them since our 10-year-old copy machine refused to make multiple correlated copies and I don't blame her. I didn't find it enjoyable either. Suddenly I heard footsteps over the dull hum of my laptop and projector which was displaying a rather blurry version of the slide on my short, furry cubicle wall. I was immediately overcome. This guy's great, isn't he? Yeah, he's good. I was immediately overcome with a nauseating sense of dread as I frantically looked for a means of escape. I knew the only personnel that come in this early is my manager and myself. Thud, thud, thud. I thought my head would explode from the echo of each footstep as they drew closer when they suddenly stopped. As I stood there with my back to my doorless entrance of my personal hell, weeping silently, I heard Mr. How do I copy and paste gurgle? What's all this? I'm putting together a presentation that I was asked to give this morning across the river. I explained while I continued to staple stacks of what was once a small forest along the coastal range of Oregon. After standing there for what seemed like forever, Mr. Tell me again how this works for the nth time burps. Who are you presenting this to? I quickly explained that I was presenting to the acronym of the month group and that they were interested in how our business model works since they've had failure after failure for the past three years. Again, an eternity of deafening silence. So I began packing up my projector, my laptop, and what was probably 10,000 board feet of processed Douglas fir when Mr. Write an entire email in the subject line and terminate an inquiry with five question marks says, So are you going to dial in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. And that, unfortunately, is the only one that survived. You know, I'll probably make it up next week. So uh, so I'm sorry. That's all I have for the emails and the shout-outs. But we're going to send him a, uh, Andrew, we're going to send you a .NET Rocks mug and, uh, and enjoy it. And now is the time on our show when we like to do a segment we call The Google Weirdos. Weirdos, 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 weirdos. Yeah, so what is Google Weirdos, Roy? All right, well, first, before I explain what Google Weirdos is, I have to say that when I was going through and searching for this week's Google Weirdos, I found a Google search that said, Roy, don't explain to us this week what Google Weirdos is. I guess somebody out there has had enough, but, you know, I mean, there's still a lot of people. But we're getting new listeners every week. That's exactly what it is. We're getting a lot more downloads each week as as time moves along, and I got to explain this for everybody. So I'm sorry, one person out there who doesn't want me to explain it, but Google Weirdos is sort of the result of me combing my referral logs and checking to see how it is that people are getting to my site through Google. Um, One thing that I noticed when I was checking the logs is that sometimes people put in things that are a little bit unusual, things that probably uh, should not have directed them to my site, some things that probably directed them to my site and left them disappointed, confused, and lonely. And um, these are, of course, what constitute the Google weirdos, (laughs) the searches that just are weird. (laughs) <laughs> and and as Google Weirdos has gained in popularity, uh, some people have figured out that it's possible to contact me through Google Weirdos using it as a cheap, one-way, very short email system. So those are the <laughs> shout-outs, and I read those first. And here they are. First one is, Roy Blythe wears a monocle and rides a unicycle to work. <laughs> it's not really an insult, you know, but it's not a compliment either. I can see you in a German pith <laughs> helmet, you know, with a big handlebar mustache and... In a unicycle? In a no, unicycle. That's not quite so badass, is it? I mean, it's it's not really saying anything bad about me, but... Hogan! 
<laughs> the next one is, who the hell is Rory Blythe? I guess they probably found out. Um, next one is, Rory, don't sleep with Carl. Um, it's a good yeah. thing you got to me because I was this close, yeah, really. you know. Just had to stop myself. What would we yeah. do without this guy? <laughs> Rory Blythe, read me, read me. Okay, I read you, I read you. <laughs> Rory Blythe, give your blog to me now. You know what? If the price were right, I'd sell it. I'm not giving it away, but no I'd sell way. it. No way. You would not. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> oh, man. You come to me with a substantial cash offer for Neapolian.com, it is yours. Well, you know, they'd have to... No, well, never mind. I'm overanalyzing again as usual. <laughs> it would be use, it would be worthless without your input, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, sure, but money, man, I don't care. Okay, whatever. Yeah, this isn't about if the art price was or right in- or integrity. That's I am about neither of these things. Yes, you can have a thirty dollar domain name. <laughs> <laughs> now, so good luck writing it. The next one is Roy Blythe. Can you come to my house? I think I mentioned last week that I'll go anywhere as long as you pay for the ticket. Um, I don't know where you live. You didn't leave and any. And for an extra 200 bucks, just... you'll be naked. I didn't state a price, but I mean, we can <laughs> for negotiate. The pr- for the right? right price. We can negotiate. <laughs> so those are the shout outs. Uh, yeah. The, the Now what we're getting to are the actual Google weirdos. The these actual are the weirdos. That are a little bit odd. So the first search is typical programmer's IQ. And uh, I'm not touching that. Not going anywhere near that. <laughs> The next one is smaller size burger car in the U.S. Um, I guess somebody's getting sick of all the mid and large size burger yeah, cars. Yeah, the Burger King are, Mobile. The burger SUVs, you know. <laughs> Can't take it. Next one is friggin' penguin piss. I mean, how do you, how do you get that? <laughs> Not just penguin piss, but now. friggin', friggin penguin. Pen- <laughs> Good this Lord. Guy's serious. Got another one here. It's um, what happens if you get caught speeding in the Netherlands? And I was thinking maybe they cut off your nether regions. Ooh, <laughs> good observation. Was that kind of a clever sort of twist Very on good. words there? Very good. Yeah. Look, I OC'd tonight. <laughs> um, the next one is the opinions expressed here and are my own personal opinions. They do not represent my employer's view in any way. I think it's kind of weird that people have to put mm. this into their searches now mm. too. You know, the, really? the, the, the corporate disclaimer is so widespread. It's like you have to preface every statement with it, including your Google Because searches. you never know. Your boss might be scanning the logs exactly. and looking That's for right. what you typed in. That's right. Or journalists And that or would whatever. be sick. Yeah. <laughs> so next one is uh, girlfriend injected me. And mm. then it just stops. Mm. It's, like, it's like whatever it was, it was obviously poisonous because he wasn't able to finish his search. That's he it. just had enough energy to hit enter and then, you know, boom, kick the bucket. Next <laughs> one is Star Trek The Next Generation Death Metamucil. Did I miss that episode? <laughs> was that an actual episode? Was there an episode Computer of Surgical Next Generation Metamucil, where somebody died hot. of Metamucil? Right. No, really. Did I miss that? <laughs> okay, so the uh, so the last one. <laughs> you like that one, eh, Jim? <laughs> I, I really like that one. I like the computer. Metamucil. Hot. <laughs> hot. Yeah. Ick. Okay, so the, hot so, metamucil, <laughs> big box meta, big big box metamucil. Is that like a New England uh, tradition? Hot, hot, hot metamucil? metamucil. I don't know. No, so you don't watch Star that. Trek, do you? Because he says I've watched it. Tea. I've seen it. He says tea, Earl Grey, hot. Oh, does he? Yes, tea, really? Earl yeah. Grey, hot. Still That's drinking what he Earl says. Grey. And if anybody was going to have to get metamucil on the ship, it would probably yes, it. be <laughs> Jean Luc. Yeah. I don't know. Worf looks kind of constipated. Well, so moving on. We got, we got yeah, Worf does that thing with his lips that looks like he's having a hard time <laughs> right, moving yeah. his bowels, well, he's right? He's scowling. Right? <laughs> when he gets mad, he goes, me, 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 me. Well, so that's why they yeah. call him a Klingon. <laughs> oh. All right. Oh. Moving on. Back. Back in the room. <laughs> back in the cage. All right. So the very last Google weirdo for tonight is, how do I go to drunken slave cults in Iowa? 
I kind of wondered too, you know? Oh my God. Some people are sick. That's just weirdos. 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 So here's what happened with the show. So when we were down at Dev Connections, Roy. Yes, yes, Carl. When we were down. Yes, yeah, so when we were down at Dev Connections. When we were down at Dev Connections. We actually took the little iRiver recording device around and talked to some of the speakers that were there because we want to get a sense of you know how they were doing and having fun. We did this a couple years ago at Dev Connections yeah. with Mark, and you know we just want to get a take the pulse of the the community down there and see what was happening, see how they liked their talks, other people's talks that they were listening to, and. Uh, we were planning on uh, having this show called Reflections on Connections, where we'd actually play some of those interviews and then talk about them and reflect and all that stuff. And what happened was, uh, I lost the power supply. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the battery ran down, and I lost the power supply to the I River. <laughs> and uh, basically, we we weren't able to retrieve them tonight at this time. So, so at the last minute, <clears throat> we got an IM and email and just called up a bunch of our friends who who were there and who have done conferences in general, because it's not just about Dev Connections. Uh, and we just decided, hey, you know, would you like to get on the party line and sort of uh, talk to us about your experiences with conferences and let's just have a conversation about developer conferences. So uh, let's bring up the phones, Jeff, and uh, let's see who's still there. Let's see who's out there. His, I know Dan Appleman's there, right? I'm still here. Okay. And Don Kiley? I'm here. Robert Scoble? Hello. And uh, Dr. Bill? I've never been here. <laughs> Bill Vaughn? <laughs> and actually, Mark Dunn is here, too. Hey, that's right. I'm higher than a Georgia pine. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it's great to hear from you, man. Hey, don't look so happy, Carl. <laughs> I can't tell you how long I've waited to hear your voice, man. <laughs> there can be only one. How you doing? Hey, you guys are doing a great job. You know, speaking of dumb emails, you had a story that you, you related to me in IM about a guy who sent you an email regarding constructors. What was that all about? Oh, exactly. He, uh, he sent me an email and thought he had found a bug in, uh, in .NET because he had created a private constructor and said he <laughs> couldn't get his object to instantiate. <laughs> <laughs> so instead That's of checking problem. the documentation, <laughs> it's a bug. been married 30 years, you... Many of us have trouble getting our objects instantiated. Uh, <laughs> no. We should keep our constructors private. <laughs> no more talk about privates on this show, please. So we um, we just decided to have a sort of a party line and and uh, talk about our experiences with conferences. Um, go, you know, my earliest experience with conferences was VBits, and I guess Robert and Don and I sort of go back the longest, I think, in this crowd. And then Bill shortly after that, and well, what am I trying to say? Let's just let's just talk, guys. What have what have you been up to? Somebody take it away. That's not going to work. We're all going <laughs> to speak at once. If you want to go to a conference, it's a lot of fun. You go to something in South America. I went down <laughs> there, and the uh, the whole concept of a conference is very different in the way that women are treated and used as props is extremely uh, 60s. Really? Yeah. We used to do conferences in the 60s and 70s where the, the women were, were paid to wear low-cut this and lean over and that sort of thing. Wow. And short skirts. And, and they were basically props to put around to draw the men to their various booths. And 
I hadn't seen this done at all in the United States for you know forever. And I went down to South. You haven't America. been to a convex, have you? <laughs> well, so you know, is Carl stuck me at his booth at Dev Connections? Yeah, but a, but a developer conference. You just weren't seeing yeah. that. And I went down to the South American Buenos Aires. And which conference was that, Bill? It was like a VBIDS clone down there. Hmm. It was probably seven years ago. And wow. there they were, all the girls in the short skirts, and it was very, it was very difficult to, to concentrate. When, <laughs> when uh, I worked at Winov, we rented boob space from uh, on the Comdex floor, and one of the one of the Did you say boob space, boob space, boob space. Well, I'm going to have a drink in your honor, sir. <laughs> in the exhibitor uh, uh, binder, they had a page on uh, uh, rental babes. <laughs> Booth babes. Booth babes. <laughs> well, Dev Connections was fun. We had a uh, we had a lot of good uh, attendance this time, and the attendance was up from uh, the shows that I'm used to going. Yes, it was. VS Live was uh, was up. It was also combined with that uh, mobility conference, so we had an awful lot of people there too. And there was another conference going on at the same time too, right? Well, that's the mobility and the, yeah, the speech thing. The, right. uh, that kept handing out all these these uh, these the memorabilia, so to speak. Right. So they had a lot of people. I'm not sure how many people were at VBits by itself, but it did have a lot of uh, a lot of attendance. It was in that new Moscone Center, which was very nice too. Yeah. So it kind of you think maybe it looked bigger than it was because it was co-located with all these people, or right? I think it. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I think it did. They had they had a lot of crossover people that uh, right. you couldn't tell who was whom. But still, you know, that's good turnout. Well, now Dan Dan actually uh, came to Dev Connections this time and did some talks, and I got to sit in. I actually sit in, sat in on all your talks, Dan, and I uh, actually participated in one of them actually. But uh, the yeah, one that I was, was a lot of fun actually. Yeah, where you, Juval, and myself, we did a sort of a roundtable, you know, um, talking about the future. And, Carl, you gave me grief in all my talks. Yeah, that's what my job was, you know. Yeah, which was great. Yeah, I knew you'd appreciate that. I, I much prefer an audience that yells back. Right. Me too. Yeah, so like the Japan. one. Yeah, it's much and, better than the ones that are sleeping on you. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I figure I I I look at that as my job. You know. Yeah. If you're falling asleep, let's uh let's take it another direction. Hey, Carl, I'm really hurt. Yeah. Well. So I think I think what I need to do is in the future just hire some like booth babes to sit in and harass me during my talk <laughs> <laughs> on the podium. You should write but, out some questions for him, like to challenge you with. You know. And have them stand up and read them off pieces of paper. Well, I can so find some smart ones. Oh, well, that's true. So how can we add some value to uh, everybody's lives about conferences? Sure, it'll get more people to conferences. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, we want to open up the uh, the phone lines such as they are. They are actually not a phone line, but a website, www.franklins.net slash call.netrocks if you got a question or you have a suggestion about how conferences can be improved or or if you have a funny story about something that happened at a developer conference or you know you want to talk to these guys just uh send us a message we'll get you on the phone and and uh there you go uh Jim Blizzard says Carl needs to get X1 he won't have to search for email any longer by the way Jim I have it it's just on my laptop that's broken okay so uh I have it I love X1 www.x1.com. It's like a little bit of what WinFS. It's like a little bit of WinFS for Windows XP. <clears throat> it does. Uh, it keeps a huge index in memory of files and emails, and you just start typing, and it filters it immediately for you. So, so nice. I actually have a question. Okay. If, if you don't mind. Um, 
you know, I, I, I'm sure this is something that probably a lot of geeks kind of wonder about, and it's how do you actually get into the conference thing? Like, if you want to speak, how do you go about doing it? I mean, does, is it going to vary a lot from conference to conference? I mean, is a it an bit. invite I, I used thing? to plan conferences for Fawcett. I used to help plan the V-Bits and the VS Live conferences. So you send hookers to Robert Scoble's room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it involves giving Robert a bag of money uh, under Absolutely, the Absolutely, you know. <laughs> a <laughs> donation to my son's college fund would have gotten you right on stage. a $100 bill <laughs> and send it to Robert. Robert was up the whole night before fixing machines and getting them ready, remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those were the good old days. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll give you the secrets. I, I um, looked for people who were helpful in the community, and I would right. uh, search Google. I would search the news groups. I would sort of look for the MVPs before they became MVPs. It's, um, it's got to be more than that, though, right? Because you can find somebody who might be really, really helpful in the community, but who might not necessarily make a particularly good speaker. It's true. That's true. So how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, do you have to interview people or? Uh, I would talk to them on the phone. Sometimes I would try them out on an evening session or in the in the dreaded last day session on the last afternoon. You know, and if they proved themselves there, then uh, they would get a better spot the next time. Uh, yeah, we we had the. Uh... The thing is, Microsoft played a big role in what Fawcett was doing and often sent um, speakers to the conferences that were very solid technically, but it couldn't uh, explain how to open the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm picturing the defense lawyer, my cousin Vinny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, we've had speakers get up to the podium and just freeze and not, not yeah. say anything. And when I was on, we were this is a Microsoft organized uh, event, and the guy just froze. I remember know, one of eight, those. 800 people, and he, and he just froze. Oh. He just didn't say anything. We said, Carl, Fred, 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 hello, Earth to Fred. And uh, they had to take over. Yeah. It can be scary up there the first time. Very. Well, you shouldn't really start out in front of an audience of 800, though, right? I mean, you should try maybe a user group and then. Yeah, you know, that helps. Absolutely. Or, or any yeah. smoke. Or even the wall. I mean, I, I think, you know, that before I spoke <laughs> the first time that Carl asked me to, you know, essentially, well, actually, I did the user group thing first, but I mean, I tried just going at the wall first. And <laughs> even that is kind of tough. And it's tough because you suddenly realize that you have to say things in a certain order and they have to follow each other in a way that makes sense. And that's harder than people really think sometimes. That's never bothered me. Bill has no problem getting on stage. <laughs> I make up all my stuff as I go. Yeah. <laughs> if you uh, if your community has like a local improv workshop, right? Because uh, you know, speaking doing these sessions is also a form of entertainment. Actually, Ooh, sure. Join a committee. Actually, actually, I did go to several of the uh, local user groups and. Uh, in fact, I I think Dan used to go to the the uh, Visual Basic group in uh, Silicon Valley. I yeah, think we I did found that. Deborah Carada there, and I think right. I found some other speakers there as well. So user groups are certainly one way. And with the Ineta organization, uh, people figure out who's the good speakers, who the hmm. good speakers are pretty fast. Yeah. I know in my case, um, this is Don. I I I was a member of Toastmasters for years, never intending to public speak, but I had that experience behind me and was sitting at a conference one time and, and looking at the speaker saying, you know, I could easily do that. And so then I, I started approaching. So any kind of speaking experience is, is a great way to get in. And then, yep. but uh, as good a speaker you are, I've, I've definitely learned that, that it doesn't substitute for good technical. Content. Right. You, you have to have a nice alloy of both. Yeah. 
I think. Yeah. I, it, what, what did you say you were part of? Um, I, it, Masters. Wow. Okay. And and what is that exactly? Well, it's an international group that is devoted to self improvement through public speaking. Oh, okay. It's it's oh. all kind of focused towards the thing where supposedly the greatest fear is speaking in front of of people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I actually joined it when I was I made a really really bad career move into real estate sales. God, mm. I am just so not a salesperson. Was that in Alaska, Don? No, that was um, okay, Carl. Thanks. Make me embarrass myself. No, that's when I was I was still living in California, Southern California. Okay. Toastmasters is like an Alcoholics Anonymous for shy people. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but uh, you know, no, I, I just wanted to be able to deal with people and think on my feet better, and yeah. I got involved with that and had done it for several years when I had the was at the conference and, and had that revelation. I was going to say personally, I've been uh, singing in uh, a community chorus when I was eight and in little church choirs and stuff when I was younger than that. So we were, you know, when I was eight or nine years old, we were singing Beethoven's Ninth uh, in front of, you know, bazillions of people. So, and then uh, started to just perform in community things with my brother, and then we played out in bars when I was 15. So I've been really playing and singing and performing in front of people and joking around ever since I can remember. When are you going to sing your, your, your session? What's that? Start singing your session. Well, you I actually did days. once. Yeah, yeah, Dev Days. Oh, I actually sang Toy Boy with an acoustic guitar. Oh, at cool. Dev days. Cool. Yeah. You well, should have seen the I just, comments. I uh, discovered that at the Maine Hysterical Society, you'd made a guest appearance at, at uh, Land's End. Yeah, that's right. At, at, yeah. uh, at uh, L.L. Bean. L.L. Yeah. Bean, sorry. Yeah. Same when thing. I, when I wrote the speaker fact for Fossette, I actually went, went through and listed what the metrics are that I use to decide on speakers. And here, here's some of them. Uh, the quality of abstracts and proposals. You know, really? uh, okay. when you send me a proposal for, you know, saying I want to speak, is it easily understandable? Is it professional looking? Yeah. Um, is know, the spelling good? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's amazing how, you know, some people's proposals were really professional and some people's pr- proposals just didn't uh, come up to snuff. Does it fit into our plan? In, in other words, uh, you know, when I sat down and done a grid for the conference and sort of said, yeah, these are the kinds of topics I want to cover. Is Was it, did it fit into that plan? In other words, were you proposing a, uh, a Pearl talk for a visual basic conference? <laughs> you know? yeah, right. um, attendee ratings from fa- past conferences, which um, if you're not a speaker yet, that, that doesn't apply. But, uh, you know, we, we'd all talk to the other conference chairs and knew whether you were a top 20 or 30% speaker or a bottom 30 or so right. speaker. You're saying the topic has a lot to do with it, too. Very much, yeah. You know, somebody who's going to speak on the same old stuff. Well, this is a trick that new speakers can use to get in. If you, if you become a, an authority on a new topic that nobody else knows about, that's often times when you'll be able to sneak in, you know, right. because mm. uh, the existing speakers focus on what they've done well, and they're going to lock up those those talks. But yep. like with Longhorn, you know, who's the new lo- up and coming Longhorn experts? Uh, all the sp- all the uh, conferences over the next two years are going to look for new Longhorn speakers, right. and they're going to be looking around to say, okay, who's new, who's who's hot in this, and who's an authority on the topic that we're right. going to cover. So so that's one reason why you might want to write a book. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, books <laughs> certainly help because they make you an instant authority. Having a weblog certainly helps. If if it's a good weblog, like uh, McKinney is, is doing a Longhorn blog, and it's awesome. Um, let me, let's 
some other things, speaker peer reviews. I, I often talked to the other speakers and said, hey, do you know anybody who's you know, going to talk, who can talk on this topic and or have you seen them speak at another conference or whatnot? And oftentimes they would tell you, no, that don't hire that person because they just can't, can't speak or, oh man, I saw them, you know, at the Dev Connections conference and they were awesome. I was going to say, I get a lot of my input from people who have seen somebody and said yay or nay, if I haven't seen it myself. But I want to bring up something Dan just mentioned, which is write a book. And I want to ask all you guys this because I think we've all written books here and, um, most of us have anyway, and the reason I want to bring this up is because in the days that Dan, I mean, obviously you're a very prolific author, you've written a lot of books. Writing books now is a lot different than it was when you were writing the Windows, the Visual Basic Programmer's Guide to the Windows API, isn't it? I mean, well, for one thing, it's not nearly as profitable, and it worked well for you at the time because there weren't so many people out there writing books. Now the market's flooded with people who are writing books, don't you think? Well, I also got extremely lucky because I picked the right topic and I was first there and right. sort of locked up that little market for myself for a while. So I actually made money on that book. Oh, the API book. I bet you sold three bazillion copies of that. <laughs> well, um, I sold enough, so it pretty much bought my house. So, so it, it definitely was good. It's a lot harder now. I've actually yeah. heard, and, and I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but I've heard that that's actually like one of the best selling coding books of all time. Yep. If not, in fact, I heard somebody say the best, but, you know, I mean, I, I don't have any No, I, I doubt very much. I mean, uh-huh. the best is probably someone like Petzold's original Windows book or right. something. I was thinking something, you know, that's well, been around for like decades and but decades think about and it, decades. Dan. But at the same time, you know, you're hitting the VB group. The VB group you know, is that's bigger. that's a wide, wide market. Well, I mean, you know, you're talking about a book that's still selling. I mean, not a lot, but, you know, I'm still selling, you know some copies every month and I haven't touched it in five years. And I mean, whoever heard of a technical book that sells after five years, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I had to buy a second copy because the, the first <laughs> one, uh, the pages started falling out. And the nice thing about that, that book, Dan too, is, is that I just could not imagine doing BB programming for several versions without the latest version of that book sitting yeah. right next to my desk. Yep. Well, that's, it was that critical. Well, that's when I knew I was on onto something good. When I found myself using it while I was writing it, I was already using it in my own programming. Oh, so, cool. yeah. And and you know now there's like you said, there's so many books, there's so many authors. I mean, it looks good on a resume to write a book, but I mean, let's be let's be honest. I mean, the quality of most books that you pick up in Borders these days isn't very good. Right. I think the problem was that the publishers uh, saw an awful lot of revenue in the in the boom and the internet age. Yeah, and when they wanted to get in on that, they want to capitalize on that. They said yes to an awful lot of authors, right? Uh, that they wouldn't ordinarily would not ordinarily have said yes to. I don't know, Bill. They were publishing crap during uh, before the boom times as well. Just not so much of it, though. I, I think part of it is that you know the boom affected uh, the book market as well. You know, companies would go ahead and just buy you know ten copies of every book published, mm. right? So. Mm. You know, it really did inflate sales, hmm. right? Well, you know, I think uh, Ingo Rammer's book is an interesting case. Uh, it, you know, at the time he wrote the remoting book, there was really not another book out there about remoting. Right. And he, di- he didn't have to write a tome, you know. It wasn't a big book. It was very focused. You could really read it in a couple of weekends. And, you know, look, look where he is now. Yeah. It made him very successful. Hmm. Yep. The, the trick is to become an expert in one topic and... Uh, uh, become an expert in something that other experts have ignored for whatever reason, or have 
refuse to keep up with. Now, some of the other things uh, on the list are, do they give back to the community? You know, how well or often do potential speakers participate in the community in news group posts, mailing list participation, standards committee involvement, informative websites that aren't, you know, commercial in nature, yeah. uh, magazine articles, Microsoft MVPs get extra points. You know, it, is user group feedback positive or negative? Stuff like that. It's name re- recognition, yeah. right? Uh, because ultimately, Robert, you were looking for the people that were going to fill the seats at the conference, right? Uh, absolutely. Sure. So you, you wanted people who had the recognition, who had the credentials that people wanted to come and listen, sit and listen to. Yeah, awesome. and awesome. It, I was also, number six was uh, respect deadlines and commitments. You know, do they get mm. materials in on time? So how did Jonathan Zuck ever get on the list? Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> they were desperate back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We, hold it. Disclaimer. We love Jonathan. Jonathan's great. He was a, a top-rated speaker of Ebits. He just had oh, a yeah. pension for great. last minute. You, you can have sins in one of one or two of these of these areas if you're <laughs> if you're a one and all the rest. You know? <laughs> so level of expertise we already covered. You know, do you write books? Do you write magazine articles? You know, do people see you as an expert? Like somebody just said, Ingo Rammer on remoting. He owns mm. that topic in my mind. You know. Yeah. Um, Demeanor on site, are they uh, are the speakers helpful and available to attendees, nice to staff members, fun to take to dinner, et cetera? Mm. Um, fun to take to dinner. I kind of like that. Believe it or not, some speakers were not fun to be around. And uh, uh, and they pretty quickly fell off the speaker train because, because you know, um, being a speaker is being a public face. And if you're right. not fun to be around and you're not treating our our customers properly, right. I mean, a, a conference, you know, like TechEd or PDC, each person there spent four or $5,000 to be there, you know? Yeah. And if you, if you piss off one of them, that's <laughs> pretty significant. Absolutely. It's like, it's like any other celebrity. It's like if Madonna were a bitch or Michael Jackson, a real weirdo or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if you know, that, that were true. That's something i got to give a lot of credit to uh, Mindy Martin. She's, she is now with Microsoft, unfortunately, but uh, um, she really taught me early in my speaking career that a large part of being speakers, not just show up for the sessions, but the attendees want to meet you at the, the parties at the, exhi- in the exhi- exhibition hall and need to right. be visible during lunch and things like that because that's when you really get a chance to interact with the, the attendees. Yeah. And that, that's when they really get a lot of, of benefit out of out of, or feel like they're getting benefit out of attending the conference. Personality is pretty important. Absolutely. I also sponsor relationship. You know, do you get along with the people sponsoring the show? Uh, you know, if, if uh, well, that leaves me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like, my like I said, you can have sins in one or two of these areas if you're good in all the others. <laughs> um, helpfulness, we covered that. Persistence, also. You know, pe- uh, people who would continually ask would become more noticed because they were just there, you know, and, and at least I would give them a fair shot. Uh, some, some of the other things, uh, entertainment value, you know, um, are they like Don Box? Can they hold a crowd, you know, and in a bathtub, <laughs> in a bathtub yeah, or without any, wearing any pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right though. I mean, the whole reason, then this sounds a little ridiculous, but the whole reason that I'm actually here sitting across from Carl right now is that I went to go see Chris Sells talk at a user group meeting. Yep. I, I, I had been coding my entire life, and I had never once heard anybody try to make it entertaining. And I go there, and I go to this meeting, and he's doing this talk on code access security, which is, you know, like pulling Dry. teeth. Right. And, <laughs> and he makes it interesting, and he made it fun, and I walked away from that. I thought, you know, I kind of want to be involved with that, right? Yep. So you, you can blame him or whatever, but, I mean, 
it's still, it draws people in. It gets them involved with what you're doing. So I guess personality is pretty important. We have a, a question or a comment from Sal DiStefano uh, from Interflow in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. He says, I think as companies like Microsoft make more information available to developers directly, book authors need to provide information which you cannot get for free on the web. Yep. The same holds true for conferences. With VBTV and webcast on demand available on the web, the key to attending conferences is to interact with peers and meet with Microsoft employees, etc. Attending the conferences is not just about education anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, good point, Sal. So some of the other things is vision or leadership. You know, um, do you have something to say about how development will be done in the future? You know, uh, do you have something new to co- to add? Uh, some other things. Geek quotient. Uh, did you develop a key part of the .NET framework for Microsoft, or oh, did you? Are you the inventor of Macromedia Flash? Are you someone yeah. who's who's known <laughs> around the world? High for, here, Robert. Aiming <laughs> <laughs> a little high. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I, those kinds of people were the ones that conferences want because yeah. they're the you know people know who Mark Canner is because he invented Macromedia, and people but I'll tell know you something, who though, Anders Halsberg is because he invented you know, Delphi and C Sharp. You I know, think that's, that's the way it is now, Sco, but back when you were doing VBits and you know, when I was just – I actually was at the very first VBits. I was a speaker. Yep. And uh, I, one thing that Jim Fawcett was very good at was making superstars. Yep. He would take people who, who knew their stuff and he would take a chance on them and say – if this person speaks about this topic, they're going to be, they're going to get exposure, they're going to advance their career, and it's all going to be around our brand. And, uh, you know, that's a really good, that requires a little bit of vision, I think. But it, it's something that I strive to do with Dev Connections, too. Um, I, I met a guy last year um, in uh, Washington, D.C., Brian Noyce. And uh, I met him, I saw him speak. Uh, he was great, he was well-prepared, he, he was entertaining, he was he knew his stuff. And I said, you know, he wasn't well known. And I said, you know, this guy would be a great speaker. I tried to get him on the Annette Speakers Bureau and that worked. And then I got him uh, to speak at Dev Connections. So, you know, it, for me, I'm willing to take a chance on somebody like that who's a good speaker that I know would fi- fill into the, fit into the role, you know, that aren't necessarily well known. What's yep. good about that is that, you know, they, they become visible around your brand. So, right. Yeah, it's good for everybody, I think. And, you know, Fawcett was good at that. Now I think it's different. I think uh, well, now well, you sort the, of have to have, be an Anders Halsberg or a Alan the, Cooper or somebody. I, I disagree with that. The barrier to entry is a little bit higher, but uh, you can get noticed, and particularly on it when a new topic comes out. You, you know, you can own, the, like, for instance, there's a whole slew of new Longhorn stuff. You can become an expert on Longhorn where... The existing experts are just too busy to, well, to keep yeah, that, up to date. I guess my only point is that it takes a bit of vision and risk-taking on the part of the person who's planning the conference yep. to, to go out on a limb and say, even though you're not well-known, you know, I think that we could make you, you know, make you a superstar, if you want to say that. Uh, right. you know, we could give you the, the ability to have exposure. And I, you know, I don't see a lot of, of that happening. But and, maybe and it's the just economics me. have changed a fair bit. Um, it's opening up a little bit lately, but um, had I not started speaking when I did a few years ago, um, if I had tried to get in two or three years ago, I think it would have almost been, been impossible because all the conferences were having fewer shows. You know, there just were fewer attendees because of the economic crisis. That's true. So, so timing is, is a big part of it as well. Yeah, we went through quite a dry spell. Yeah. Are you really seeing the uh, the attendance uh, spike up now? Oh yeah, yeah. Tech had sold out 
now. Dev Connections had about 800 people, Mark. Yeah, Dev Connections was, was great. But that's because, it, again, you're in one of the cycles where there's a bunch of new stuff coming at you. The economy is improving a little bit, um, and people are starting to look at new development projects, too, and trying to get their projects ramped up. Believe it or not, we actually see a lot of people just interested in the fundamentals Yep, who weren't paying attention in the last couple of years. And now <laughs> that there's a deluge yeah. of information out there and everybody's sort of moved on, you know, finding that fundamental stuff is hard. And uh, so we're actually adding a beginner's track at the next Dev Connections in the fall in Las Vegas in November. I think that's a great idea. I think there's an awful lot of people that are just overwhelmed by yeah. code access security and, yep. the, and the... And we're not calling it a beginner's track. We're calling it like a fundamentals track. Right. But foundations. Yeah, foundations and fundamental, whatever it is. But uh, but that's it. It's for people who, have, who haven't been really thinking about this stuff for the last couple of years. It's all new and they're just overwhelmed. Yep. That's a good, good idea. It's really wonderful because if there's one thing that I've always been critical uh, about various conferences is that they're so focused on the latest whiz-bang, cool, hot new thing that's knocked my ship for two years that they forget that the fundamentals are the most important things of all. Preach on, Dan. (laughs) It's so true. Along those lines, I'm I'm curious what what you all think in terms of of all of the focus that Microsoft puts on the stuff that isn't going to be here for a year or three. Hmm. Um, because, like for example, Dev Connections and and uh, um, Ubits did it, VS Live did it, and and so forth. Where essentially there's a Microsoft.net day where things were all about Widby, which isn't going to be out until next year. And yeah. and um, of course, PDC is looking forward. But but do, do you think that that gives enough value to to conference attendees to have an entire day, for example, out of a three or four day conference to to look at stuff that is so far in the future? It's- I, I just want to say I think it's I think it's totally valuable. I mean, if you, if you look at the kind of stuff that that we'll we'll look at it this way, right? If there's something you need to know about .NET one or .NET one one, it's been written about. There are videos somewhere. There's a place to look it up. There's a blog. There's a news group. There's, there's always F one. There yeah. There's F one. I mean, there are the <laughs> docs, you know, and and it's it's all out there. It's to the point where we have to kind of drill down into some unknown, strange, weird, vague namespace in some dark alley of the framework to find something that nobody's touched and something that we're not going to touch that might just be there for growth or something like oh, that. Oh, speaking of namespaces, system.net.sockets. Cool. All okay. right. So Never moving mind. right along. Uh, so I happen. I mean, I happen to kind of be the, of the opinion that learning about this stuff way ahead of time is absolutely totally value. And I was one of these people who missed the whole .NET boom, right? I was doing VB and Java, and I didn't really know about .NET until Beta One. And I always wanted to be one of those people who was like, "Yeah, I was there, you know, doing .NET back in 1985 when it was just, <laughs> you know, like a naughty feeling in in somebody's <laughs> loins when it hadn't quite been born yet." And uh, and this is finally a chance to be there ahead of the curve, to learn about Whidbey, to learn about Longhorn, and to get really good at it so that you can be kind of like what Robert's been talking about, try to be somebody who really knows what they're talking about, this stuff ahead of the curve. I think it's fabulous. Now, for, for, for speakers, you. you're right. Okay, if you're a speaker or if you're a trainer, that makes all the sense in the world. But I'm really concerned because what you have is a situation where you know, now you go to conferences and everybody's talking about Whidbey, 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 and this sucker's not going to ship for a year or more. Right. And... Yes, you could argue some people it makes sense to start getting acquainted with it, but for a lot of people, what are they going to do for the next year? I mean, they, they, a lot of them haven't even picked up .NET yet, so we're already trying to teach them Whitby. I think a lot of what, you're, what you have are people are selling fear, fear of being left behind, fear of, of you know, losing your job, fear of all these, these terrible things that will happen. So you have this intense focus on stuff 
that you just don't need to know yet. It's just way too early. Like this technical preview, people are trying to do real work with it. It's not worth it. It's just too soon. Hmm. I can see I that. I think so, point. too. The, the, the kinds of things that they're, they're putting in the tech preview, even the tech preview that went out at, at Dev Day's time and at the MVP Summit, I saw another preview uh, three weeks later, and the whole there's so many things that were different. It, they're, they're still stirring the pot. They're still adding and taking things out. And the kinds of questions that I was asking, suggestions that I was making, the other people there were making, they said, oh, yes, we can do that. We'll do that, which were radical changes in the things that they were approaching these problems. So, yeah. The, the other side of the fence, though, for – when I was planning conferences, because we, we've had this, these arguments over and over in this industry. It's a little bit more extreme right now because there's just so much new coming from, from us at Microsoft. But, you know, I remember when BB4 came out, we would cover that. People would go, oh, I can't use it, you know, and why are you guys covering it so much? And why do I have to learn it? And the problem is for a conference particularly, the reason people go to conferences is to stay on the bleeding edge and to mm. learn about what's new, what's new, and to give feedback to the team, and to build a relationship with the with the team. I think so some that, people go to conferences for that reason. A, a lot of them others, do. And well, it's attendance. Not. I mean, if I ran a would be class next to, let's say, a, a you know a one point one class, I guarantee you the would be class would be ten times more attended than the than the but, shipping product class. But, but the question is, why is that? Is it because that's where the real need is, or is it because the people who are attracted to conferences are the ones who are, as you say, on the bleeding edge. They think they have to do it in order to have a chance of keeping up. Can so I you, say that, so that, you've got an audience that's already sort of primed for that. I, I think companies send people to conferences to find out what's going on in the bleeding edge and what what they need to do in terms of their own roadmaps for the next year or two. Um, you know, I, I mean, Reuters, for instance, sits down with me and says, you know, we're planning out our development for the next two years. And we want to know where these things are going to hit, or and what what do we have to do today to get ready for tomorrow? Uh, in, in, especially in architecture, you know, what what kinds of things should we prepare for? Uh, you know, Longhorn, and what kinds of things should we prepare for Whidbey or for Indigo? And Robert, is is do you, do you think that that's appropriate for for most conferences? Because certainly a PDC, a Microsoft PDC, is is designed to be forward looking, and and I mean, I, I went to that. Um, a few months ago, knowing that we were going to be looking at forward-looking stuff, stuff that wasn't going to make it into next releases and was under development and so forth. Yeah. But yeah. if I go to a VBits or a, or a Dev Connections, am, am, as an attendee, am I likely to be the sort of person that is looking that far forward? Um, maybe. The problem is uh, every time I would plan out a conference, I would have maybe 30% of my conference content on something new. Okay. And those would always be the most attended talks. Always. I mean, and, I, and I can't you, think of a to- I can't think of a conference I've held where the the new topic, even if it was two years out, was not the most attended class. You know, is the conference even really the best place to go though to actually learn? I mean, I kind of usually think that that's what <laughs> the training centers are for. You know, like Franklin's Net, for example. Yeah, but what, what, out there. here's what's what is a conference for, right? It, you're going to sit in a in a talk for an hour. And hear something new, you know, like uh, you know, WinFS. <laughs> you know, right. well, you're, you're not going to hear an hour. I just was over and interviewing the WinFS team, and in an hour, we didn't even cover the basics. Right. You know, <laughs> right. you know, a, yeah. what a, what a class at a conference does is t- 
tell you the scope of a new technology that's coming, tell you sort of how real it is because you can see it up on screen and see if it's blue screening every time you hit F5 or something. And you can also build a relationship with the team and start le- learning, you know, what that thing's going to be good for. So you can take it back to your team and say, okay, Microsoft is going in this direction. So, you know, as we build our current stuff, we better be aware of that. Yeah, well, a conference in a lot of ways is about the community and the people. And then the training is really just about the tech straightforward, you know, getting as much as you possibly can, soaking it up like a sponge in a week and walking away and being able to actually use it. Because I know that walking away from the PDC, for example, um, or or even I went to Chris Sells XML DevCon, not necessarily because I wanted to learn anything that I was going to implement like the next day, but just to learn about things, to expose myself to things that I might not have known about and things that I might be able to say, well, is there a class on this particular subject that I could take that would be a week long and really get to know it inside out? And also, yeah. if you're a creative person, you know, it could spark ideas in your own architecture that you may have missed or or things that you can relate back to your own thing that's going on. Uh, Sal, who uh, made the comment before, says... I think there is a need for architects and designers to have access to Longhorn and future technologies now. We are designing, planning our our next development cycle, which is 18 to 24 months out. We cannot plan it on the current technology. We need to be ahead of the curve. I think that's kind of what Robert was saying. So yeah. I, I can see both sides. There's I, also different conferences for different people. You know, the PDC had one-third of it was Longhorn content. TechEd, almost none, there's almost no Longhorn content at TechEd this year. So, you know, if you need to be a little bit more bleeding edge, you go to a PDC. If you need to be a little bit more practical, you might go to a VS Live or a, or a Dev Connection. I think uh, there's people that go to these conferences for different reasons. And you've got people that are going to go to the uh, the, the new stuff, the sexy new car stuff, and watch and look and see what's what's coming. Those are going to be popular, I agree. But there's also people, every one of those people are going to those conferences and saying, you know, I'm having trouble with... Uh, building reports, or I'm having trouble with this particular aspect of security, or I'm having trouble with threading. Right. Are there any current topics on those that content? You go to a, one of these threading talks, and the rooms are stuffed with, mm-hmm. with people trying to learn about current technology, how to do multi-threading. With, hey, with the hey, we have a caller. We have a caller who's actually here in the studio. It's Joe Grenier. Go ahead, Joe. Hi, hi guys. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sitting here listening to this, and, and I think one thing comes to mind. I was at VS Live in San Francisco recently, a couple of months ago, and one of the speakers on the on the C Sharp track uh, was doing a talk on Indigo. And I'm extremely interested in Indigo web services and, and where all that's going, service-oriented architecture. And one point that he made was he didn't even touch the PDC bits because he knew how much they were going to change. And I think there's a certain... There's a certain group of people out there who are who are really ahead of the curve who will be able to touch those bits and get in touch with people at Microsoft and say, you know, this this really isn't the way you ought to go. This is the way you ought to go. Absolutely. And, and, and things will get changed in that. I'm thinking right now as, as an architect at my company, I'm not necessarily wanting to look at that thinking about the future of how I'm going to architect my applications. I, I'm thinking, yeah, I may want to make suggestions, but I don't want to assume that what's coming out in these builds now is going to be there when I actually need to put it into production. That's a great point. Absolutely. And it, from Microsoft's standpoint, that's exactly why we did it so early. We wanted a lot of feedback from people like you to get back in the product to make it better. Because if you really think about it, Longhorn's going to be used for probably 15 to 20 years. You know, There's going to be people in 2020 who are going to be running copies of Longhorn, just like there's people Isn't who are still running out? Windows 3.1 today. <laughs> you know? What's that? I said, isn't that when it's coming out? 
<laughs> Very funny. <laughs> yeah, he's got, but, hot, he's got mean, low blood think, sugar. Don't mind him. These are things that, that the industry are, is going to have to live with for a while, and we wanted to make sure that they were done as well as absolutely possible. That's why I'm also trying to influence the development of the Whitby at, at this point in time. And they keep postponing these things that we've been asking for for years, some of the simpler things. And I tell them, okay, if you don't put it in Whitby, that means I won't see it until 2010. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, no, 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 no. This is, well, folks, that's how long it takes. Yeah. It that's is. how long it takes to get it to market. It takes five years to put one of these new things tomorrow. No, no, we're going to be much faster than that. It says, yeah, you've no. never been faster than that. Yeah. What, what are you talking about? I interviewed the guy who is in charge of the Longhorn build process. And so he's a pretty important person here. And it, I, we, we talked about how, why it takes so long. We have thousands of people working on these products now. And we, it just takes a long time to match up everything and make sure it's all debugged. Just getting all those people to pull in the same direction is a big job. Yeah. Because they all have agendas. Every single one of them has agendas. Yeah. They have the office people that have a, have a tremendous agenda that they're trying to, to solve. And they have the language people, and you have the operating system people, and you have the internals people, you have the net people, the web people, the marketing people. And they're all pulling in different directions. Yeah. And, and remember, it's changing now because the uh, .NET framework is built into the operating system starting in Longhorn. Right. So now you have two right. huge teams who need to get along uh, in fact, uh, they need to get along with the SQL Server team because right, the three. SQL Server team is building the WinFS. Right. Yeah. You know, so there's three huge teams that need to align and get their stuff together. And what about and, the lawyers? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on that note, gentlemen, we're going to uh, pause for a uh, intermission here. We're going to listen to a little bit of music. We're going to uh, come back in a few minutes, pay the bills. Okay. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Hey, Carl Franklin here, giving a shout out to my friends at Data Dynamics. Uh, we've talked a lot about Active Reports on this show, and this is no exception. So, I'm talking about ActiveReports.net. This is a port of their popular Active Reports program. If you're currently thinking of doing reporting in.NET for Windows Forms or web applications, check out Active Reports for.NET. Uh, many of my friends in the business use and swear by ActiveReports.net. I use it as well. Let me just tell you, to say that the reporting is simple does it an injustice because it makes you think that it can only do simple things. It can do very powerful things, but you don't have to go through hoops just to set up a simple report. When you create a report, the report exists with your application, okay? It doesn't exist on a server somewhere. All right, we're not talking about enterprise reporting. We're talking about, I have some data, I want to print it out, or I want to show it to the user. PDF format is supported, HTML format is supported, all the great features you'd expect from a reporting engine, drop dead simple, and the best part, it's not going to break the bank. They have a great licensing scheme that's easy to deal with. So check it out at www.datadynamics.com. Now let's get back to our show. Gone away the fireflies that I saw from my brother's eyes. 
Gone away the summers of my dreams Racing cans down Irving Street Safe and warm in the evening heat Someone always looking out for me Trade you a steely for that candy bar Sleep in the back of my daddy's car I know he'll tuck me in Sixteen, I drove that car Fly away so fast, so far Try to find someone else who thinks like me Who do I turn to? Who can I trust? The house next door has an impenetrable such a big neighborhood and yet so all alone in my dream factory hey so it's Carl Franklin here I'm glad you're enjoying the music while we're in the break, I just wanted to uh, tell everybody to head over to www.devconnections.com and check out all about the next Dev Connections conference. It's going to be November, I think it's the week of November 7th, in Las Vegas. It's going to be fun. I know Dan's going to be there, Don's going to be there, probably Bill. Uh, we're just in the process of selecting everything, but as I said in the talk, we're going to have a fundamentals track. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have hardcore stuff, too. We're going to have lots of hardcore stuff. And of course, if you really want to know how to use this stuff, come to my class. Give me a break. Check it out. This is what I do. I feed my kids. You can go to www.franklinsnet and check out our classes. All right. Let's get back to the show. What have you learned from your life down below? Love and happiness won't pay for things you need. Like
All right, and we're back. Nice song. I like that. That's one of my favorites on that album. Uh, so we were talking before the break about uh, conferences and Microsoft and speaking and writing and the state of the media, the hype and the and the fun and the information. And a bunch of other crap. <laughs> so uh, during the break, Kathleen Dollar joined us. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hey, w- we just wanted to say we really enjoyed the show. That was a great show. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Last Thanks week. for it was having excellent. me. Yeah, I went back and I listened to it and... The beginning was just as silly, and your part was just as good <laughs> as you thought it was. To counteract the silliness, yeah. uh, overall, a very well-rounded show. So, you left the Scotch story in. Yeah, even the Scotch story. Now we left <laughs> we left most everything in. Since we're coming back from the break, hey uh, Dan, are you still on? Yeah, I am. As long as we're talking Scotch stories and stories in general, can I can Dan? You were mentioning something about a zipper and an eyelid, and and I am. Will you tell this, please? <laughs> I'm traveling with this group of teens to Orlando, and we just got on the plane to transfer from Atlanta to Orlando, and they call me over, and one of the guys has his sweatshirt zippered to his eyelid. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So we called the stewardess over, and she never said He was going to the Java conference. (laughs) How did this happen? How did it happen? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it was 5 in the morning, and he had sort of, pulled the sweatshirt up over his head for some reason <laughs> and he had tried zipping it or unzipping it and bang next thing you know oh, so, um, ouch. So the plane had to leave so the, the two of us were sort of bounced off the plane and five paramedics showed up oh and stared God. at it and laughed for a while oh. and then one oh. of them decided to um, amputate his eye it. oh. <laughs> it's like there's something about Mary did you see that movie <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is quite as bad, but um, same no, idea. Not as embarrassing. Ouch! So did everything unzip? Okay. Oh yeah, he just you know had a swollen eyelid for a few days, but uh, okay. it was bizarre. <laughs> that <is> bizarre. <laughs> That's not a story you live down, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Rory, you had a plane story recently when you were coming back from Portland or going to Portland or something, or you were flying to Orlando. I think it was the same place you were going to Dev Connections about some guy who sat next to you and on the plane and. Started up a conversation with you or something. Do you remember this? Oh, the jerk. The jerk, yeah. You know, yeah, That well, that was the guy who he sat down next to me, and he was completely rude to me. He was rude to everybody, everybody on the plane. He was just the rudest guy on the face of the earth, you know, like... Uh, the treasury, treasury agent. He, he was just a bastard. I don't know. He, he <laughs> we, they, they come by with the food cart, okay? So he orders, like, the biggest, meatiest, macho sandwich that they had, you know? He was, like, with extra testosterone, piled on high. Give me that, right? <laughs> and I'm from the West Coast, so I look for the thing that looked most like what you'd feed your rabbit, you know? So I, 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 I order the... food eats, yeah, man. I, I, I order the veggie special, right? And, uh, and they give me the veggie sandwich, and he knows what I got, because he heard me order it, and he looks over and he says, what'd you get? I said, I got the veggie. <laughs> And he looks at his wife and he goes, can you believe that? Veggie. I got the meat. He got the veggie. Takes all kinds, doesn't it, sweetie? You know, and I'm like, man, what a bastard. And, and what I did, actually, to shut him up is I ordered a bag of cookies with my lunch. And, uh, and I looked at him. And I looked at my cookies. And I opened the bag. And then I looked at him again. And he looked at me. And he was like, cookies. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And I handed him a cookie. And they were small. And he ate it. And he, and, and he shut up. And so for like the rest of the flight, hey, I hand, honey, I, I cookies. Handed, yeah, I handed him like one cookie every 30 seconds <laughs> yeah, and he just didn't say anything else. That's a cheap date. <laughs> 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 
It, it was like a pacifier. It, there just had to be something to shut this guy up. And hey, honey, cookies. Yeah. there's a great secret of the universe there. You know, I can just imagine if we all got together and sh- shipped cookies to Washington, D.C. Oh, <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> and milk. Milk and cookies. Right. right. And nappy time. It could change the world. A little Robert Fulgham there, Dan, I think. <laughs> that's a little bit like in Code Magazine when Ken Getz talked about uh, taking off the, the, the lavatory door mid-flight. What? Huh? <laughs> really? One of the back page editorials about just having to go to the, use the restroom so badly, he took the door off shortly after takeoff. But, Couldn't he just open it? Yeah. yeah. In the traditional because fashion, using the handle. Oh, it was locked for takeoff. Yeah. Well, don't they tackle you? And I would have used the air sick bag. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once when I was uh, flying between Kansas City and Denver myself. Yeah. What? Never mind. <laughs> You've not shared that with the entire world. So, so, so back to conferences then. Right. So I got a question for you. I got a question for you. You know the computers that they get the speakers at conferences, the ones they set up for you? Who's responsible for making sure those don't work? <laughs> Robert Scott. <laughs> it used to be, yeah. <laughs> I, I get one company of... name or is that uh, not good form? A company name, yeah. I actually went to Dev Days after a, a speech about my laptop being a little slow and was told to use the machine on the podium and the day before I checked it out. And I'm just going, this machine is too kinky. It was in left field. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I didn't use it, but it sure was broken. At this last it was a dev- kinky box. <laughs> kinky. At this last Dev Days, which I think you're talking about, Kathleen. Yeah. Yeah, they, they tried to use um, Virtual PC. Yeah. And oh. Virtual PC doesn't. It has issues with IP addresses and networking and shared networking, whereas VMware is better. And they tried to use it a little too soon, and, and it really sucked. And a lot of people complained yeah, because they put all the sessions on virtual PC. I wish Microsoft had bought VMware instead of uh, the Well, other whatever. Thing. You know, it'll get better, but it just didn't, you know, it's a matter of testing and making sure you use an appropriate tool. I think it's cool the way the hotels, we keep crashing the hotels' uh, <laughs> telecommunication systems. We need to break down their phone systems because we're all trying to dial out. And now that we're not doing that, we're, we're using up all of the IP addresses and their, their uh, 38633 <laughs> DHCP uh, server. But it's running Linux, so it can handle all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> Except functionality. <laughs> you know, this, this is like the speaker's lounge, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, sort of like that, yeah. When yeah. we're in the speaker's lounge, you know, backstage at a show, this is typically what it sounds like. <laughs> you know, and to tell you the truth, we were talking about uh, breaking into speaking and all that. You know, speaking is great. It's, it's great for the ego. It's, it's uh, perhaps good for the, the, the resume and stuff. But uh, one of the biggest benefits of speaking at conferences is the speaker room. You get to sit yeah. and chat with these incredible people that have done incredible stuff right. and exchange ideas and, and thoughts. And, oh, it's, it's just amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, boy, it's too, we had some good uh, conversations with some people down there that we recorded. It's too bad we couldn't resurrect those. And we'll maybe put them online after we, after we get the power supply going. We'll maybe make links to them, make them available as sort of bonus content. I have so a power supply doing that thing. Too. It's not a problem with the hard drive. No, it's a problem with the not having the power supply and the battery dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That flight to Orlando, that was for me to go meet Carl where he left the power supply. Yes, actually. yes. Uh, uh-huh. I left it in the plane seat bag in front of me or something. Oh, oh okay. It wasn't a malfunction. No, it was a f- human was. malfunction. It was a, it was a brain malfunction. Brain malfunction. 
So let me ask you, let's, let's go around the table and, and I want to ask you, you know, what are some of the most interesting talks that you're doing currently at conferences? Let me, let's start with uh, Bill. What, um, what do you think is the most interesting? Well, reporting services is top of the list at this point. Okay. We're, we're just finishing the book this literally this week. Uh, Peter is, is uh, turning out the last chapter as we speak and uh, that should be in copy edit. So pretty soon, but Reporting services, and uh, I'm working on awful lot of store procedures. Okay, so you're you're talking about pretty much uh, SQL Server, calling SQL Server with store procedures and reporting services. Um, yes, and yeah. optimizing um, store procedure calls, no matter how you do it, and understanding uh, how they work. How about you, Dan? What's uh, what's the most interesting you think talk that people should come hear you speak? Well, most of the stuff I'm interested in now has to do with security and reliability. Um, you know, I think that there's some real concerns over the way we've been writing code, and I think .NET helps, but it doesn't really address some of uh, some of the priorities. And you know, it's reflected in the fact that you know software is still terribly, terribly insecure. So, in general, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of my favorite talks consist of basically um, yelling at the audience and saying, you know, you've got to write <laughs> code differently. Right. <laughs> you, you, and I was in that talk actually, where you. We're sort of saying, you know, we're we we're all bad programmers, and not not sort of like that, but you know what I'm saying. It was sort of that, you know, we as we, programmers, we, we have this culture of mediocrity. That we have this culture that's focused on features, right? And features are the end all, the be all. It's functionality and it's features, and we're not making security and reliability the priority that it really needs to be. And you know, the world is yelling at us, uh, you know. All you have to do is look at the, the security flaws that are being found all over the place. Mm. Uh, you know, something's got to change or software is going to get so broken that nobody's going to want to use it anymore. And I know that sounds extreme, but, uh, you know, I know people who switched to IM and now have switched back to making phone calls because they can't get that to work reliably. How about you, Don? What's uh, what's tickling your fancy these days? Well, lately I've really been getting into, into security, and so one of the sessions that I'm really looking forward to doing is I'm actually doing for the first time that I know of at the Vermont uh, .NET Users Group, Julie Lerman's uh, group, mm -hmm. about uh, developing under least privilege, because it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's so easy to set yourself up as an admin on your local machine and Everybody develop code does. that way. Yeah, but with code access security, that just it almost guarantees that your app is, app is going to break hmm. when regular users are deploy it. That's yeah. something really. But nobody good. understands code access security yet, Don. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I'm afraid so. They, they're not even they're not even trying yet. Well, yeah, because all that's you do challenge. is you just deploy your application with full trust, and that solves all the problems, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and that opens up all kinds of uh, problems. We were talking to the Microsoft guys the other day about uh, this new version of SQL Server, which you can't name, and they said it's, it's destined for the para-developers, the, the doctors and lawyers and the janitors that are creating applications all over the world, hmm. and they have no clue about what they're doing. They're just getting their job done, and hmm. they said, well, I said, you've got to make this secure. Read my lips. It's got to be secure. He says, oh, they'll just use Kozak's security. He says, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Right. Are you going to teach a janitor how to use code access security? They said the same thing about Windows. Yeah. Right. It's got to make it just drop dead default. Stupid. You know, it's got to be easy. Yeah. It's just got to be yeah. easy. Push a button. Yes, it's secure. And, that, and that's got to be part of the architectural design of the application. Fundamental you know design. Yes. Fundamentally built in. It's, yeah. it's, something is there, and you really have to, to work hard to break it. 
How about you, right. Kathleen? What's uh, I know you're all about code generation. Well, generative programming in general, both code generation and then dynamic techniques, which are based off of sometimes reflection and sometimes off of using uh, dynamic data and some of the techniques we've been doing off and on for a while, but formalizing those and making them a little bit more um, accessible. And then sort of on the side, which I'm not quite ready to talk about, looking at, um, and I, but I hope to have a talk, some talks together soon on uh, using generation for unit testing. Um, oh, to bring cool. our unit testing game up way far because we're not there yet on that. Joe's got his thumbs up. He's like, he's all over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really big step, I think, to start making that easier to do. It's too expensive right now. We're going to have a show well. on unit testing soon. Yeah, that's, that's great. And then also looking at some of the ways that people's roles uh, change when um, we fundamentally change the development process. Well, the roles change. You can't manage it the way you used to anymore. You can't test it the way you used to anymore. You can't. It's not an efficient way to test anymore. So looking at those kind of things, which uh, applies mostly to the generative programming stuff, but I think also applies in other changes we're seeing as the programming groups. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, Robert, are you doing any speaking these days? Yeah, I'm speaking on a panel at uh, Internet Planet in New York in June mm-hmm. uh, about RSS and web logging. RSS, cool. I wrote an RSS uh, feed generator recently. Rory actually helped me make it real. Um, <laughs> but uh, And he was like, so what a, what XML object are you using? I'm like, string builder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm old-fashioned. I hate that that. that. that hit my anal retentive nature <clears throat> kind of the wrong way. I'm old-fashioned, you know? I, I do things, you know, the old-fashioned way, so... I know exactly what's going out, and, and there <laughs> but, you go. But you, but you learn, though, about like why those objects are so important, right? Right. I mean, the encoding sure. gets up for you. And, yes, I, I did. Mean, I did. Um, and one of the things that Rory sent me, basically what I did is I made an RSS feed for .NET Rock shows. So if you go to the page, there's a little XML button, and you can subscribe to it. And uh, I just basically took a template from a blog and started going to town and modifying things without thinking about too much. And... And I knew there was going to be issues, so basically Rory's Mr. RSS, so I gave it to him. He put it through a validation thing. What is yeah, it? feed validator. RSS feed validator. There's like 5,000 out there, but I used the first one I found on Google. Okay. So, and, and it basically found some, some problems, and I fixed those, and some of them were encoding problems, and some of them were not. And so I did the encoding by hand because, you know, hey, there are tools in the framework that do the encoding. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it worked out. It worked out great. And I especially like the, the generator tag. Which yeah. is <laughs> what is that? It's, it's like Carl Carl's, Franklin's custom yeah. .NET RSSerizer. RSSerizer, yeah, something like that. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty cool. So you're speaking about RSS, Robert? Yep. And uh, where can somebody go for information on that conference? I haven't even heard of it. Actually. Um, it's uh, Michael Gartenberg is running the panel. It's a Jupiter Media conference. So search Google for Jupiter Jupiter Media or okay. uh, Internet. Um, All right. If we find a link, we'll post it too. Internet, uh, Planet, Jupiter Media. And uh, Mark, are you still there? Yeah, Carl, I'm still here. Are you doing any speaking these days, or are you just training? Uh, well, I do a lot of training. I'm actually working on a, uh, a topic that I'm going to start presenting to youth groups uh, based on Dan's book awesome. uh, on protection for teens. Wow, that's uh, great. So I've, I had started developing a slideshow for it, let my minister of youth borrow the book, and uh, he's coveting my book right now. <laughs> <laughs> But as soon as I get that back, I'm going to finish it up, and we're, we're going to give it a shot. That, that happens to a lot of the review copies we send out. The person who got them just sort of loses them. They, they get they get taken away. Speaking of that, Rory, I want my issue. I want my copy of Coding Slave back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just want the sex, don't you, Carl? Yeah, I know. So before you before you leave the building, I want that back. Um, and Chris Sells says he's on. Chris, are you there? I am. 
it was hey, me who was talking, making fun in. of you. I thought I heard a beep. Yep. How you doing? I'm good. What what the hell am I calling into anyway? I mean, what the heck am I calling into? <laughs> you don't want to know. Just talk. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let me just tell you. I know you've been uh, doing the dad thing for a while, so you probably haven't been listening. But basically, uh, we're talking about conferences and speaking. And on the line is uh, Dan Appleman, Don Kiley, Robert Scoble, uh, Mark Dunn, Bill Vaughn, and Kathleen Dollard. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. And we're, we're, we're talking conferences. And so, I mean, are you doing the XML DevCon this year? So I have, uh, I have been kind of planning with the Indigo team to do an, uh, another Applied XML uh, DevCon, hopefully in September. Okay, sweet. And, and so as this guy, you're kind of running your own little show there, right? I mean, this is sort of off the beaten path. It's, it's not like the big, huge circus tent, you know, with the, with the gardens of Babylon hanging leaves and fruit and tables with <laughs> spread out chocolate cookies and things. It's, you, have a, you, have a, you, have, you have a pretty Say hardcore... Say that again. Say that again. I don't, I don't know what I said. The scotch is kicking in. You have a pretty hardcore, uh, straightforward, very technical conference, actually. So, so this would be the... The fifth DevCon of uh, of the format that I generally throw, in fact, that I've always thrown, and in fact, Don has taken to calling them uh, the SalesCon <laughs> because because the technology has changed over the years, but the uh, the format has stayed the same. And um, it's kind of a fun format. It's kind of the Animal House of conferences. <laughs> it's it's the anti conference. I mean, the whole thing is based around you know what could what is the lowest I could possibly charge people to just get together and talk about technology and, you know, not give away bags and pens and swags. And right. we do give shirts, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. And then we just get in a room, all in the same room, and that's an important part of the... Who's been involved the in these things in the past, Chris? Who's been, your, who's been involved in these things besides you in the past? Oh, you mean as speakers or attendees? Yeah, or? everybody. Uh, speakers and staff, basically. So, gosh, I mean, the, the technologies have run. I mean, there was one ATL DevCon. That was the first one. And that kind of started from uh, the ATL mailing list. Somebody in the UK said, uh, we should all get together, you know, and go to the local pub. And huh. I was in the US and I said, hey, that's a good idea. But, you know, anyone in my neck of the woods huh. want to get together? 250 people later, <laughs> we had the ATL DevCon. Huh. Wow. And that's wow. pretty much where it sprang from. And so, you know, that was everyone from, I mean, the goal of the DevCons is very much to have a mix of people from the product groups who invented the technology to, you know, the academics, the consultants in the industry that kind of write the books and give the conference talks to, mm -hmm. you know, the actual practitioners, the guys that are actually doing fun, cool, interesting stuff that don't generally have the time to go speak at a conference or, right. or write a paper. Right. And so we have a, we always have a, a great mix of that. Plus with the XML one, of course, ATL was all about Microsoft technologies, but with the ATL or the XML conferences, it's been all about embracing other technologies mm -hmm. or other platforms. So we always try really hard to get the Java guys there and the IBM guys there and just as many different kinds of guys as we can get. Yeah, last year we saw we saw some Jython stuff, and then uh, Brian Jepson came out and did his whole presentation on a PowerBook. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did the power book. And so it was cool. He ran his presentation from a power book. But what was even cooler is he ran it with his cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> right? He would click the buttons and the slides would go back and forth. And we kept Bunch saying, nerds. Oh, no, that's when I knew I was among geeks, right? <laughs> when, I, well, when I saw Brian do that. It was funny, too, because we kept going, you know, oh, make it skip ahead three slides and do a jig. And then he would press four, <laughs> 14 buttons and whammo, it did it. It was awesome. We didn't even yeah. care at that point what he was talking about. <laughs> It reminds me of what Jeff was doing with the audio before in the pre-show banter, you know, sort of same nerdy kind of mixing on the fly. It was pretty awesome. So, Chris, we were also talking about the planning, right? So the selection process for uh, for speakers and things like that. And I know that at, at your particular conference, it was the first time that I came into contact with a lot of people that I wanted to stay in contact with, you know, like Don XML and Brian Jepson. I already mentioned, um, you well, know, obviously we met Dave at Wanderson. an XML DevCon. Well, we met at, yeah, your XML DevCon. <laughs> right. I, I, I wound up having lunch with you and telling you some weird story about a rat that was stuck to my dad's carpet. Um, but yeah, so uh, so how, do you, how, did, how did you wind up selecting We'll save people? that one for another show. <laughs> that could be a show all by itself. How did you, you wind up picking these people? So what I always do is I, uh, I've always kind of wanted it to be very organic grassroots. So what I do is, you know, I let people know as, as far ahead of time as I can when the conference will be. And then I send out just a call for, for papers. And I just say, you know, are you a practitioner? Are you a speaker? You know, are you one of the guys that invented the technology? I want to hear about what you're doing with this technology. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the future of whatever it is. Maybe it's, you know, a weird way you've applied it. Maybe it's some kind of a case study. And I just send out a call for papers. And in this at this last DevCon, I literally had like three or four times as many abstracts as I had slots. Hmm. I mean, I had 16, and I think I had in the 40s or 50s in terms of people proposing talk, hmm. which is definitely where you want to be at a conference. Right. Most pe- most conferences, you pretty much, um, you know, you got the conference chairs that are like sending email to all their friends and saying, would you please come and speak at this conference and blah, blah, blah. And it's, the DevCons, for some reason, have always kind of been the opposite, which is nice. Because well, prob- it makes my job easy. Well, it probably is kind of that grassroots sort of thing, where, where it's kind of getting, it's breaking away from the mainstream sort of very large conference, which is a lot of fun. I mean, I had a great time at the PDC. I felt like I was being pampered and babied, and, you know, it, it was pretty fabulous. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it kind of, it, your conference had a very different feel to it than, than the other ones that I've been to, you know. I mean, and that's it, the whole idea. I mean, to do to do it differently. I mean, the... The PDC and the and the VS Lives and the WinDev, they have their place, absolutely. And that's a traditional conference and people people go to them and they like them. Right. But I really wanted to do just the what how can we cram the most technology into the least amount of time for the least amount of money? Right. Hey, and uh, so the DevCons cost for two days, it's like I don't know, between two and three hundred dollars or something like that. Cheap. Yeah, I think I think I spent three hundred bucks and it's still paying for itself. You know? Chris, do you get out to m- to many other conferences besides the ones that you do? I know that, you know, my perceptions of you working at Microsoft when we first started talking on the show were a lot different than reality. <laughs> I mean, you know, I couldn't believe there were nine people between you and Bill and, you know, all this stuff. And I remember I remember IMing you once uh, something about or sending you a bug, a bug report, a bug in something, and, you know, as if you knew what to do with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Just take this to and the I right said, people. hey, can you please forward this on to the, to the developer group or whoever, blah, blah, blah? And you said, okay, 
who are they? <laughs> oh, really? Do you have an email address or something like that? <laughs> like, you know, like I think everybody thinks that, you know, if you work at Microsoft, you know everybody, you do right. everything, you're up on the, every, you know, at where everything is. Like you have the Star Trek Enterprise console in front of you. You can just push the right button and zoom everything. Oh, man. So, so, I, I would love that. That would be really great. That would make my life a lot easier if that's the way it works. So I remember talking about... Um, uh, going to tech ed and PDC and some things, and you weren't sure if you could, you know, if if you could get away or something like that. And I'm thinking, man, you, you know, how does that work? You know, you actually have to hang around and do your job and <laughs> not go to the tech ed. And so, are you going to tech ed? So it's funny. I, I have kind of taken pride in the fact that I've never been to a tech ed. Wow. Right? Tech ed is for like, you know, using existing technologies, right? I mean, that's sure. what it's for. Sure. Sure. Well, so, you know, that sounds so safe and, and productive <laughs> that I've so never boring. been into it. Right. So I've never been to a tech ed, although I have literally had like a dozen people saying, okay, when we're at tech ed, can we do this or that right. or the other thing with you? Now and I've had to let each of them know that I wouldn't actually be at tech ed. Because when yeah. I go to a conference, I like there to be the possibility that I would like to go to one of the sessions. Yeah. <laughs> You've and, submitted um, talks, though. What's that? You've submitted talks, though. I've seen your sub- submissions before. So, right before I was going to speak at my first tech ed, right before uh, I got accepted before I uh, hired on at Microsoft. Right. And then when I hired on at Microsoft, the cool thing about uh. going to at, working at Microsoft is they don't pay you for going to conferences, <laughs> which means that you know <laughs> half the people uh, that are signed up for Microsoft conferences and conferences know this. They wow. expect half the Microsofties to just bail. Yeah. Hmm. Because they have other things to do. Hmm. So uh, I did. I availed myself of that possibility. Having hmm. been on the dirty end of that stick, right, covering for Microsoft use that had bailed in the past or whatever, I said, this is my opportunity. <laughs> so, so, And that kept my streak going, where I'd never actually been to a tech ed. Well, let me shift gears here for a minute. I want to ask you guys, everybody who's left, and I know Bill had to take off and Mark Dunn had to take off, but the rest of you. What do you think about, and dare I say the word, virtual conferences? Is there any possibility that these things could ever work? Where, Absolutely. I've participated in several that had several hundred people on the telephone all listening and uh, uh, panel discussions that were all done on, on the telephone. And some sort of PC, VNC kind of screen yep. thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this I is, hope it works. I'm, I'm hoping to do kind of like a virtual conference talk for a user group in Arizona that really wanted me to come speak. Yeah, I've had, I've been presenting the same possibility because I've done a lot with remote presenting lately and remote training. And uh, and I'm thinking about doing this and I've been actually talking to the people at Dev Connections about doing this, a sort of a thing where we would bring all the speakers to one place, just like we do now, except that there isn't a venue. There's just a place like Microsoft, for example, where there's a lot of resources and there's bandwidth and things. And, uh, you know, we set up schedules and we set up talks at certain times throughout the course of two or three days and everybody broadcasts or you know does their thing from a single place on a single network um and you know so so people aren't sort of dialing in from home like like bill wouldn't present from his house and there have the bandwidth issues and firewall issues and blah 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 i'm pretty sure bill's got the bandwidth (laughs) (laughs) firewall issues i guess is what i'm talking about you know, Carl, I, I need to disagree. I, I think there's always going to be a place 
for the conferences where you go to a venue for, for actually several reasons. Oh, I'm sure there is. You know, the, the virtual conferences are great because you can really focus in on, on some technical content and, and so forth. But the thing is, is that attendees at conferences pretty consistently say that the best part of the conference was being there to network, to meet their peers, to sit down over a beer and, and uh, um, or scotch and talk about their, the problems that they're facing and get information and feedback and so forth and be able to sit face-to-face with speakers. And, and but so do you forth. think it's possible to do some of that? And I, by the way, I'm not disagreeing with you. I know. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this would supplant or, you know, take the place of in, oh, fa- okay. in your face conferences as yeah, a sort of an know, extra you- thing. Do you, well, my point, my question was, do you think you could do that kind of networking, that face-to-face, that one-on-one and, and facilitate that through the technology somehow? I think part of the magic of conferences is people being able to think in ways they didn't think they'd be thinking in and surprising new directions. And I, I don't know how or whether you can capture that um, at the current level of, of teleconferencing. Oh, 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 okay. I, I disagree I with that. Disagree. Okay. <laughs> because I was just on uh, a conference call today, and it was actually just me calling into a regular meeting, and there was a guy presenting there. And he was presenting on a thing that I knew almost nothing about, and he was doing a stellar job. And it was pretty much just his voice. I mean, I had camera, and I could see him, and I had his slides in front of me. But it was pretty much just me listening. And I, 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 wrote, I got the visceral feel in my gut, like, oh, my God, that's a new thing I'd never thought of before. Well, cool. Hmm. There, there's something that's missing, though. Oh, sure. Well, I think, okay. I think it's important also to consider trends in society. For us, you know, we're still... Uh, uh, people, people, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, we've got a generation coming up that instead of, uh, you know, phoning their friends are all IMing their friends. So the idea of virtual relationships is becoming much, much more prevalent. And I think that if you were going to ask that same question, you know, 10 or 15 years from now, you're going to get a different answer. Now, here's a visionary right there. But, but, but a phone is still like a virtual friendship relationship. I mean, I can tell you having a long distance relationship with my girlfriend right now, it's very virtual. Um, <laughs> and Dan, Dan, think about this. Those, the, the teenagers that you're talking now haven't probably been to their first keg party yet. So there isn't that, you know what I mean? So there isn't that, the element of, Hey, I can actually do this in person with people and, and get a lot more out of it yet. I don't know. Well, you know, I, I just can't make internet dating work. You know, I'm, a geek. I'm I'm networked and all that. I I just could not make internet dating work. Thank heavens, I fell in love with a a, a local woman in in Fairbanks, but I just it it just it was just a little bit too weird to develop yeah. a relationship over the internet. And and I, I will add that my my son is very very active in his um, I am world. But he, the most exciting thing that's happened to him is being able to meet with people. It's something he's going to in a couple of weeks here and sit down with people that do the same kind of stuff he does face-to-face. Oh, I'm not saying that there isn't going to be a need for it. And in fact, I suspect that that's really the primary reasons why conferences in their current form are going to survive and become much more the the networking uh, venues. But I'm not sure that it's going to be as compelling as it is now for things like training and for things like getting the leading-edge information. So then maybe the nature of conferences has to change to focus on facilitating that kind of interaction. Yeah, yeah, I certainly yeah. agree, Dan. With with just the raw transfer of technical information. Oh yeah, yeah. Virtual can can be great. Yeah, there's something a virtual can't replace though. And like at the PDC, just by the luck of the draw, I got seated with Chris Broom. You know, at lunch, right? 
I mean, is that going to happen during a virtual conference? I sat, I mean, that's really cool. It could. You know, well, I, mean, I, it I guess it could. could, but but also getting back to the hanging gardens of Babylon and the fruit and the and the food, you're going to have to do something about that too, right? Because part of the fun <laughs> about a conference is is the pampering. You're going to have to send a that's masseuse true. and a basket of fruit every day. All right. So, I mean, you're so have again, something like that. Yeah. So again, I'm, I'm, I made the masseuse part up. Okay. <laughs> so again, <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I mean, even at the even at the DevCons where we just have the lowest tech thing imaginable. I mean, we do have wireless internet, but I mean, besides that, it's just forty five minutes on, fifteen minute break. Forty five minutes on, fifteen minute break, all day long. And I'll tell you, it was all I could do to drag people back from their fifteen minutes of just chatting. Yes. As yeah. fast and as loud yes. as they could before the next talk. Yeah, it's the relationships that you wind up building. You know, yeah, in in right. the in the little brief moments between the talks, those are really important. The, the, Even at a geek conference, relationships are important. The demo <laughs> conference, for instance, uh, <laughs> the demo conference I was at uh, got out at ten in the morning, and between ten and two, all you all you had was lunch and networking with the uh, vendors and with each other. I don't and know. I, I thought that networking. was the coolest thing. It sounds like so you had like an official time for networking. Yep, that that just that's sounds great. like a marketing conference. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny, is, but you know, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe this guy who's doing the geek cruises has it right. Oh, cruises! Speaking of geek cruises, I got a couple of suggestions both this week from two different people that we should do a geek cruise, a Franklin's Net geek cruise, or a Donnie oh, Rock's yeah. geek cruise. Donnie uh, Rock's geek cruise because that would include me. So I think that's yeah. good. Yeah. I'm, I'm not right. In fact, everybody on this conference call right now, let's all get on a boat and charge a few hundred dollars and go have a party. Let's have been drinking here in the Don Rock Rock studio. If you want for a few hundred dollars, Carl, I'm there. Yeah, well, that's (laughs) the problem with the cruise. The the cruise, uh, the conference you could probably do for a couple hundred bucks, but getting into the venue costs a thousand to two thousand dollars. I've talked to with Neil about his business. Neil Bauman's the guy who runs ski cruises and. Hmm. uh, um, he gave me some insights. It, it's pretty hard to, uh, you need about 30 people just to break even. And the mm. 30 people who go have to be paying 2000, you know, around $2,000 each. Mm. Yeah. But he's doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's the guy you talk to and we let him do it for us. It, yeah. seem, it seems like it would be tough to sell your boss on that though, because it sounds so pleasant. I'm not sure because listen to this, because you can combine vacation time Right with not legally bring though. your kids. Yeah, well, not legally. They're they're it's the, the employees aren't going to go for that. They're going to say, "I'm getting trained. This is not my vacation time. I still get my two, three, four, five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. If you're in Europe, right, ten weeks, any place else in the world. But if you say, "Boss, during my vacation, I'm going to go to this geek cruise and get trained and go on vacation at the same time," then your boss will say, "Good. That means you're paying for it." Right. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, there, I, there's some issues there. Well, you know? okay. But, yeah. All right. Well, my but, point is that, that this guy's got a business model that seems to be working. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, we don't reinvent the wheel here. We talk to him and we let him put it together. Yeah. Yep. True. I like, I like the sound of that car. We got to talk a after the show. Rocks, Key Cruise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sign me up. Sounds good to I'll me. I'll even clean rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I got that far. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I took an informal poll in my class this week, and it was co-host un- and co-host alumni. Is that correct? <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was unanimous in my class this week that they would, you know, if they could, they would bring their wives and their kids. And to the employer, they're they're actually thinking was to the employer, it's I'm not out of the office for four weeks. I'm out of the office for two weeks. You know what I mean? It's I take my two week vacation and I get trained, versus I'm. 
you know, I, t- I take my two week vacation and I take a week of training. And, and, you know, let's, let's, let's be honest here. How many conferences fill up in, in less desirable cities? You know, Dev Connections is in places like uh, Las Vegas this fall. It was in Orlando a couple months Palm ago. Palm Springs, yeah. Um, you know, they, they're in fun, interesting places where you can bring yeah. your family if you want to. Well, yeah. the DevCon is in Beaverton, Oregon. You know, in, Fr- in French it's called in French it's called Casterville. If that makes you feel any, you know, <laughs> next to the Walmart. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of uh, a lot of conference attendees actually get the attendee uh, get to go to a conference as a reward. It's mm. sort of a reward mm. for a job well done. Wow. And I, I've cool. heard that over and over again. Some people even have it written in their contract that they get to go to one conference a year. Yeah. Um, sort of as a, a perk, you know, a bonus. Well, it's desirable because, yeah, for a true geek, a conference is like your hobby combined with vacation, combined with something that makes your boss happy, you know? And the and chance to win a Harley. Make spouse happy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, what, what, what is wrong with this picture? <laughs> yeah. By the way, in, in the Yahoo chat room, we've already got people saying they're interested in this .NET Rock skate cruise. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, but will so. they pony up the money? That's the question. Well, I think they're saying their bosses will. Do you got two grand? If you got two grand, uh, yeah, if yeah. we can get 30 people that have two grand that have two grand and are willing to go on a cruise, then we can do it, no problem. Or 120 people who have $500. Uh, no, the problem is... <laughs> doesn't it work that way? It doesn't work that way, unfortunately, because uh, Neil, Neil only charges a couple hundred bucks for the conference part. And that's how he makes his money. Right. It's the cruise line that charges... You know, for you to go on the cruise because they're paying the room. You know, you're you're getting room and oh. board on the cruise ship. So. so if we just get our own boat, <laughs> <laughs> we got sixty million dollars to buy a boat. <laughs> we don't no, get a rent. We I think Bill could arrange that, but I sure can't. <laughs> we we'll rent one, man. <laughs> How come nobody ever has a conference in like a Winnebago? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we did. I, uh, every year at Vivitz, I would rent a bus and take uh, a bunch right. of people somewhere. Oh, Robert, yeah, so yeah. those trips. Oh, those were great. Trips, something awful. Okay, and Yosemite. the one time I was able to go on Robert's trip, let me see if he remembers where we went. The one time I was it able was to go. It was Silicon Valley, wasn't it? Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> wine I went to Gold Country. Yeah, I missed Yosemite that. Yosemite and... Yosemite was great. You remember that, Robert? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> we sang Clementine. Carl, that's when you were doing Clementine. Yeah, we were singing Clementine. I was so happy to see that uh, the Maine Hysterical Society had you on stage doing Clementine. Yeah. That was just such a such a, a great... To the people who don't know, there's this is a little thing that uh, uh, called the Clementine Principle that a friend, Andy Durr, gave to me, who his friend John Cash in the 70s uh, in college showed him, which states that... The song Clementine is a universal song, and you can sing the words to Clementine to the tune of thousands of songs. Hmm. And by extension, therefore, you can sing the tune to any of these songs with the words of Clementine. You can sing the tune of Clementine to the words of any of these songs. And so by further extension, you can interchange the words and music to any of these songs that fit the Clementine principle. All right, right, Carl, give uh, give us a demo. Do uh, ACDC. Well, okay. Well, let me just tell you that the typical example is, you know, uh, two songs that fit would be like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Pinball Wizard. 
Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. (laughs) But of course, Pinball Wizard. In a canyon, in a cavern, excavating for a mine. Delta Minor 49er and his daughter Clementine. So it fits, right? So the key is that if, if any of these songs fit... You can switch the words in music. So we were just basically doing that for two hours on the way back from Yosemite. uh, Somebody somebody in the Yahoo chat, Carl, just asked if you're on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, yes. The URL for that, if you want to hear um, and see Carl doing this, is www.mainhysterical.com. Or bestofclementine.com. You can hear it. And download the Clementine one. This is an example. This stuff does not translate well to video conferencing. <laughs> Going to Yosemite and That's listening true. to Mike Darling Clementine for two hours. <laughs> two hours would be a little more. That's great. Somebody would just say, you know, Neil Young. And I'd be like, in a canyon, in a cavern, excavating for a mine. Neil Young Warble there. Pretty cool. <laughs> Hey, and by the way, if you're listening to the show live and you're not on the Yahoo uh, chat room, uh, it's it's a lot of fun to be on there. So, so Devo, to answer your question, yeah, Carl is definitely on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, how do we top that? So, actually, I had a question. Okay. So, uh, so my wife just got back from a conference, her first nursing conference. She's an ER nurse, and she uh, she was actually at. Sun River, Oregon, which is, for people who aren't familiar, is a resort area. Next she to said Beaverton? it was gorgeous, and, and the conference was wonderful, and it was just perfect. And she recommended that the next, she knows that I have a DevCon coming up. She recommended that the next one actually be in Sun River, Oregon. Ooh. Which is a mm. problem, since there's real no real way to get there except for flying somewhere close and driving. So her suggestion was to rent a bus or two and drive huh. anyone that hey. wanted to come to Oregon. We would drive to Sun River. That would be fun. Do you think that would be a good idea? Oh, sign me up. Yeah, so, okay, there's two votes. So what's in Sun River? Yeah, we do a three-hour carpool once a month to another user group, (laughs) and it is more fun than the user group meeting is. We have just a barrel of fun on it. Oh, Kathleen, you do a two-hour carpool every time you go down to the Denver user group. (laughs) Well, each way, it's three hours altogether. Rory's using sign language to tell us exactly what's in Sun River. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I'm kind of particular. I need the stimulation. I like. I went to Manhattan last week, and I like the big buildings. You know, a lot of people love Sun River in Oregon. I'm I'm just not one of them. But I would go for the bus ride alone. In hey, fact, you guys go to Sun River, and I'd sit in the bus and just kind of revel. You know, rev- if anyone revel. wants to uh, uh, do a bus ride to Fairbanks, Alaska, I'll be happy to entertain you. I got lots of living room space. We'll keep you posted. Um, cool. I, yeah, I've, I've, I'm still I am promising myself that, that one, one summer. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, I actually want to uh, make a trek across the uh, the desert there. We yeah. we want a uh, Canadian uh, desert to, to Alaska. The, the Channel Nine crew, uh, channelnine.msdn.com, wants to uh, get a bus and do a tour down to the PDC wherever that oh. is next oh, year. Cool. Oh, sweet. Yeah. We don't know where it is yet. I uh, know. Hope it's not in Greece or something. Uh, <laughs> I would assume right it's uh, within a three-hour flight of uh, <laughs> Seattle since all the mech softies have yeah. to go. But. Well, I'm actually kind of jealous because a bunch of my cohorts at MSDN are going to drive down for next week's Portland Nerd Dinner and hmm. to, to join me, but I won't get to drive. 
<laughs> I want to have the, the, the you, road trip. You could go up there and meet him and then get in their cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of defeats the whole purpose. Then. See, I'm a solution guy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we pretty much uh, Are we still doing exhausted the, the topic. <laughs> Are we still on the air? Or did they cut us off? <laughs> did the SEC shut us down yet? <laughs> let's, uh, let's we got take... down to, to like two listeners. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's ask the listeners that are there if they know the secret namespace of the week that they could win a copy of Office Professional Edition 2003 um, right now by going to www.franklins.net slash call.netrocks. We're all out of amateur copies of Office. <clears throat> so. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if you know the namespace, just go ahead and tell us. And they're coming in now. We're getting a few. That's cool. And so we'll we'll wrap it up with final comments about conferences, final <laughs> thoughts. Let's start with you, Chris. Final thoughts about conferences and all this stuff we've been talking about. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I at this point, I kind of regret not having signed up for Ticket. Mm. I kind of would have liked to engage in that dozen or so networking opportunities, and you know, just hacked in my room the other time. Yeah. Is there still a chance you could uh, make it? Well, see, the, the so, so one of the reasons I am not there is uh, my wife's uh, nursing schedule doesn't leave much time for such uh, shenanigans. Uh, so if I was presenting, I would be there. Hmm. It's also sold out, and even Microsoft employees can't get in at this point. Well, there's uh, another problem. Really? Oh, wow. How about Dev Teach? Is anybody going up there besides me and Rory? I'm going. Yeah, okay. Yep, I'm in there. That's uh, going to be in Montreal in June. Beautiful place. Montreal oh, God, is a great yeah. city. Yeah, and it's a beautiful hotel and it's a wonderful location. I really enjoyed speaking up there. Yeah. Yeah, they did, they did a real nice job. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, um, uh, Don is, is doing it again. So, Don, final thoughts now that you have the floor? Uh, sure, yeah. I, I think I, I, I would find it extremely difficult to be a developer these days without going to at least a, one conference a year or so. Hmm. You know, it's such a great opportunity to, to get up on the technology as well as yeah. meet other people. And, and uh, it's great for career development and knowledge and learning and, and just plain fun. So, and if anyone's going to be a tech head, I'm doing a couple sessions, including a cabana session. I think I have to wear a Hawaiian shirt for that about uh, <laughs> uh, right. code access security. <laughs> ukulele. Office. Yep. Yep. Dan, you still there? I'm still here. What do you think? Last minute thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm not nearly as regular a speaker as a lot of the people you have here. I mean, I do maybe two or three talks a year nowadays. Um, most of you know, most of what I'm doing now is sort of a totally different thing, which is you know, promoting what is really a consumer book. So I've been doing radio, and, and I'm going to be doing book signings and all this other crazy kind of stuff, which is a whole new exciting world in That's a way. That's so cool, man. I can't wait to see you on Oprah. Well, actually, no. <laughs> I, I was on I was on the most amazing show uh, the other day, which just astonished everyone who knows me. I was on um, Wild ninety four nine, which is a local station, a hip hop station, uh, a program wow. called The Doghouse, uh, with, <laughs> with Showbiz, Hollywood, Elvis, and D Rock. Wow! And, and I'll tell you, it, it's, did they get the right Dan Appleman? Yeah, well, let me tell you something, Carl. You think you hassled me at, at the Dev Connection? It was nothing compared to what these guys were doing, but it was a lot of fun. Huh. And uh, and it's been really interesting because I've been discovering what, like, ordinary human beings, how they deal with computers. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think every software developer should spend some time 
just hanging out with ordinary computer users and find out what their lives are really like. Yep. Uh, and if they did, they'd come back to me and say, Dan, you know, stressing We've security and reliability wrong. is important. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I have everyone in my family who doesn't have a computer science degree call me for tech support. Sure. So I, I think I have some idea. Yep. In fact, at one time, I was so upset with the whole process that I posted a public apology to every computer user there ever was, <laughs> just because of what we do to them as software engineers. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Well, I, I worked the tech support lines that, the, during the Blaster uh, thing last summer, and I had a tough time uh, helping a, uh, a user even click on an icon and drag it. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Took everything I had. Yeah. Well, it's like that shirt at Think Geek, you know, that says, "No, I won't fix your printer." <laughs> well, uh, we got we to do better by them, folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kathleen, last minute words of wisdom or thoughts? Yeah, I, I guess I'd like to just also point out that that the conferences, even the ones other than, than PDC, I, I think it's a good place to see where people are stretching the envelope. I'm not going to be at TechEd, but I expect that even there, it's going to be. Uh, things that people are doing with today's technology that just is not in the common knowledge. It's new, it's different, and with uh, .NET moving forward so fast, we have a lot of opportunities to have that kind of stuff coming up at conferences, and I think it's it's a great opportunity to get a hold of it and move beyond um, what, you know, what you're thinking about today into some new ideas and, and new techniques, which is a great thing about uh, going. By the way, Kathleen, at your uh, talks on code generation at... Uh Dev Connections and elsewhere. Do you get actually give away any of your code generation framework tools that you use that you've built? Yeah, I actually do. I I, I think that I had about three megabytes on the disk um, for wow. Dev Connections. So I I give because what I do, um, I don't want everybody rebuilding the tools. I really right. want to empower people to do their own templates, but not their tools. There's only one part of it that really affects the code that comes out, and so the rest of it, I just you know I give away the tools that I've got. Um, there's certainly you know. Demo level tools. They're not. They're not commercial quality tools. But, but these I'm are tools you've written. What? These are tools you've written. Yeah, these are tools I've written that do Great. things like run scripts and do that kind of thing that's associated with the code gen process. That's awesome. So there's a lot of things people also get out like that. I'm not the only speaker that, that does that. Most speakers do give things um, away as part of the package that people walk out of the conference with. And uh, Robert, um, next year there will be a PDC and uh, give us your feedback about what you like to see there and. If you want to get together and do some uh, evening events or something like that, let us know. What's that PDC is obviously going to be, again, Longhorn focused. Um, I, I would assume that Longhorn will play a part. Certainly not yeah, going to be. be uh, Longhorn focused. Yeah. Longer <laughs> horn. Longer horn. <laughs> Longer horn. <laughs> Robert, no PDC this year? Uh, no, not that I know of. Okay. Yeah. They, they want to make sure that they have something major to, to show off. So. Well, guys, it, listen, this has been a, a great show that just sort of came together, and uh, I really we should do this more often. Somebody, uh, somebody mentioned on IM that we should ha do this on a regular basis, just get a whole bunch of us together and uh, call it the Speaker's Lounge Show. Would it be fun if we, if we didn't even necessarily have to focus on any one thing, but we just sure. kind of talked out of our asses the way we did for kind of the last hour or so? Yeah. You know, just making stuff up. That was kind of, it's kind well, of fun. Well, particularly because I, I think most people are, are working on some pretty interesting stuff to so just kind of talk about what's going on. Yeah, sure. We'll call it Speaker's Lounge 1.0. One thing, Carl, if you know the uh, email addresses of the conference planners for the, each of the conferences, it might be interesting to put that on your website. Sure. Um, so that, or if they have speaker facts or something, so that people know where to go to 
um, start getting into the speaker thing. Yeah, we'll. Great. Um, Thanks, Robert. That's all I need is more competition. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thin out a little, actually. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, thanks a lot. It's been great, and uh, we'll we'll see you somewhere, I'm sure, very soon. And, uh, I don't know what, what, what I called hmm. into. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Chris. All right, see you guys later. The, 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 the heroin self-help line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get off my phone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right, bye. bye. <laughs> so, wow, how cool was that? We didn't need any recorded interviews. You know, yeah, this making it up as we go along, drinking the booze thing worked out pretty well, didn't it? <laughs> certainly Good old did. Liquid courage certainly takes away that shock of knowing <laughs> that you're not going to be able to play the recordings you had set up for the night. So. And now the winner of the Office Professional Edition 2003 is none other than Carl Villezenor. And Carl, I'm sorry if I botched your name, but you're from NWS in Scottsdale, Arizona. Congratulations, Carl. Bravo. Bravo, yes. Lovely, wonderful, yeah. And the namespace of the week was system.net.sockets. Thanks very much. You're you're a favorite fan. You're a legend in our own mind. (laughs) And, uh, well, Roy, it's been another great show. So uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Okay. On Rocks. Okay. We'll be like at the PDC or something, right? Okay. Or Tech Ed. Okay. Or one of those conferences. Okay. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) You're insane. <laughs> <laughs>